order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Helen Goodman. Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, this week is Armed Forces Week, and I know that on I know that on Saturday, members from across the House will be attending events to celebrate Armed Forces Day. This will provide an opportunity to recognise the source of pride and inspiration that our serving men and women are to us. Today is also Reserves Day, and I would like to pay tribute to reservists, including members of this House for the integral and vital role that they play in maintaining this country's security here and overseas, balancing their civilian lives alongside their military careers. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Helen Goodman. The Prime Minister is quite right. We all celebrate the huge contribution our armed forces and reserves make. Last year, the Prime Minister promised that no school would see a cut in its budget. Yet, half the schools in Bishop Auckland continue to face real cuts, some of over £1,000 per child. Doesn't she understand the damage this does to their life chances? Prime Minister! Can I say to the Honourable Lady, as she knows, we are putting extra funding into the schools. We are making extra money. We are making extra money available for schools. And our national fair of, the fairer funding formula that we have introduced is ensuring that some of the schools that have previously been among the worst funded in this country are seeing increases in their funding to help to redress that balance. Mr. Lawrence Robertson. Thank you. Mr Speaker, as a former chairman of the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee and given the unresolved issues which remain in Northern Ireland, does the Prime Minister have any plans to visit the province in the near future? Prime Minister. To my honourable friend, that obviously uh, there are a number of issues that uh, we are considering in relation to Northern Ireland at the moment, both in the Brexit context but also in the issue of the devolved administration, and our hope that that and the Assembly will get back up and running. And I can say to my honourable friend that I hope to be visiting uh, Northern Ireland in the next few weeks. Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Armed Forces Day and Reserves Day, and I hope, and I hope that we also recognise we need to do far more for veterans in their housing and health needs as well. I would also like, Mr. Speaker, to pay tribute to the firefighters tackling the blaze on Saddleworth Moor. I'm sure all our thoughts are with the firefighters and their community and families, and the member for Staley Bridge and Hyde is there today to support them. On Brexit, Mr. Speaker, the Business Secretary believes that business is entitled to be listened to with respect. I'm sorry to see the Foreign Secretary is not here today with us. He takes a very different view, using an Anglo-Saxon term to make his point. Which is the Prime Minister's view? Prime Minister! This party and this government has always been a party that will back business and will continue to back business. And, and And we back business because it is businesses that create millions of jobs for people in our country, that provide billions 
billions of pounds in tax that we can spend on our public services. It is businesses that are the backbone of our prosperity. And can I say to the right honourable gentleman, if he wants to start standing up and talking in uh, favourable terms about business, he's got a decision to make. He can either back business or he can want to overthrow capitalism. He can't do both. Mr Speaker, I I take the Prime Minister's response as a thumbs down to the Foreign Secretary. In recent days, there have been unprecedented concerns raised by trade unions, business and even some Cabinet Ministers. Today, the CBI Director-General said, facts ignored today mean jobs lost tomorrow. Airbus... Airbus supports 110,000 jobs in the UK supply chain, many of them very highly skilled, well-paid and unionised jobs. The company says no deal would force Airbus to reconsider its footprint in the country, its investments and its dependency in the UK. Can the Prime Minister reassure thousands of workers today and take the phony threat of no deal off the negotiating table. Prime Minister! I say to the right honourable gentleman, he has raised the question of Airbus. Well, if he is so concerned about our aerospace and aviation industry, why did he not back the expansion of Heathrow in this Mr Snell, calm yourself. Acquire the quality of an aspiring statesperson. Calm. The question has been asked. The answer from the Prime Minister must and will be heard. The Prime Minister. Mr. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, I have to say, I say to members of this House, I don't normally agree with the Secretary-General of Unite. But on this occasion, I actually do agree with him because he says that backing the expansion, the third runway at Heathrow, would ensure our country remains a world leader in aviation and aerospace. Jeremy Corbyn! Well, Mr Speaker, the Foreign Secretary didn't back it either, but in his own way he was helping the aviation industry by spending 14 hours in a, fl- in a plane for a 10-minute meeting in Afghanistan. <laughs> Mr Speaker, the Government is not threatening the EU with this ridiculous position. It's threatening skilled jobs in this country. But at least there's one Government Minister that understands this. That's the Honourable Member for Aberconway. He asks, um, I think about the health, and, and I think it's about the health and foreign secretaries. Do the Tory leadership aspirations of multimillionaires trump the need to listen to the employers and employees of this country? Well, apparently they do. The head of BMW, directly employing over 8,000 workers in this country, 8,000 jobs in this country, said they need to know the government's plans for customs and said if we don't get clarity in the next couple of months, we will have to start making contingency plans. Uh, order, order. Apologise. The Prime Minister was heard. No concerted attempt from either side of this House to shout a member down will ever 
succeed. However long it takes, the Prime Minister will be heard and the Leader of the Opposition will be heard. Get the message. Jeremy Corbyn. The noise of people hiding behind the gallery is interesting, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, I'm asking the Prime Minister how many more firms are telling the Prime Minister in private what Airbus and BMW are now saying very, very publicly. Prime Minister. We have, uh, we have been meeting with business. We are listening to business. That's why we're very clear on our customs arrangement that we want to ensure not just that we deliver on our commitment in Northern Ireland, but also as frictionless trade as possible, but also that we can trade around the rest of the world. But if we're talking about plans for government for business, it is this government that has brought the deficit down. It is this government that is seeing employment at record levels. What would Labour's three-point plan for business be? A 7% rise in corporation tax, nationalisation without compensation and a run on the pound. That's not backing business. It's a plan to break Britain. Mr Speaker, it's very interesting that even those Brexiteers who've made Brexit their life's work are concerned about their own financial interests. The Honourable Member for North East Somerset, for example, is relocating his hedge fund to the Eurozone. The Honourable Member for Wokingham is advising his clients to disinvest in Britain. Meanwhile, in the real world, Andrew, who works for Andrew, who works for Honda in Swindon, wrote to me and said, "I wouldn't laugh if I was you. These are real people with real jobs and real concerns." And he writes, "I've seen nothing that gives me confidence the government is going to deliver a trade agreement allowing the seamless flow of goods through Europe's borders. My job." along with many others in manufacturing suppliers and supply chains, hang on this. So will the Prime Minister ignore her Foreign Secretary, listen to workers and secure an agreement that safeguards jobs in this country? Prime Minister. We are putting jobs at the heart of what we do in relation to Brexit. Jobs at the heart of what we do as a government through our modern industrial strategy, and we are ensuring that when we deliver Brexit, we will be delivering a Brexit that is good for our economy, good for jobs, and good for people up and down this country. But the right honourable gentleman, the right honourable gentleman, I think through most of his uh, through most of his career, has actually been rather a Brexiteer himself. <laughs> Why is it then that at every stage he and the Labour Party are trying to frustrate Brexit in this House? Jeremy Corbyn! The Labour Party's priority is defending jobs in this country. And, Mr Speaker, I doubt that, uh, I doubt that uh, Andrew from Swindon is alone amongst skilled workers when he goes on to say... I will hold the Prime Minister and her party culpable if my job and those of my colleagues at Honda end up being under threat. The Cabinet was split into two, apparently, to look at options for a future customs arrangements with the, with the EU. The Prime Minister's preferred option was a customs partnership. We've had no official feedback on that working party. So did the Leader of the House speak for the Government when she said on Monday, I think the Customs Partnership looks quite bureaucratic and unwieldy. Is that option now ruled out as well? 
Prime Minister! As I've made clear on a number of occasions in this House, we are looking at both options in relation to customs because we want to ensure that what we deliver is that frictionless trade as, pos- as, frictionless trade as possible with the European Union and an ability for us to negotiate trade deals around the rest of the world. That's what we should be looking for. It's what we're doing as a government. As a Labour Party, he says the Labour Party, Labour, a Labour Party's interest is in delivering jobs. Why is it then that every Labour government leaves office with more people out of work than when they went in? from a Prime Minister who presides over an economy where a million people are on zero-hours contract, that is very rich. She rules out a customs union. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister rules out a customs union, the Leader of the House rules out the Prime Minister's preferred option, and reality rules out a maximum facilitation model. That only leaves no deal, which she refuses to rule out. She is putting jobs at risk. Sadly, it's not those of the warring egos in her cabinet, because they've now been rewarded with an invite to a pyjama party at Chequers. (laughs) Meanwhile, thousands of skilled manufacturing jobs and the future of whole industries in Britain are at stake. The Prime Minister continues to promote the fallacy that no deal is better than a bad deal. No deal is a bad deal. But isn't the truth that real jobs... Order, order. I apologise to the right old gentleman. I'll say it again. There is unlimited time as far... Order. There is unlimited time as far as I'm concerned. The que- order. The questions will be heard and the order and the answers will be heard and nothing and no one will stop that happening. It's as simple and unmistakable and clear as that. Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. No deal is a bad deal. But isn't the truth that the real risk to jobs in our country is a Prime Minister who is having to negotiate round the clock with their own cabinet to stop it falling apart rather than negotiating to defend jobs of workers in this country. Prime Minister! I'll tell the right honourable gentleman what I and this government are delivering. We're delivering a successor to Trident, stamp duty slash for first-time buyers, a modern industrial strategy for jobs and growth, action on childhood obesity, 1.9 million more children in good or outstanding schools, fairer schools funding, new technical education, improved mental health services, expansion of Heathrow, record levels of employment, record levels of employment, falling borrowing, rising real wages. We've triggered Article 50. We've agreed an implementation period. We've passed the EU withdrawal bill, a Britain fit for the future and leaving the European Union on the 29th of March 2019. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last weekend I attended celebrations marking 70 years of production of the great British Land Rover. Would the Prime Minister join me in congratulating the workers of Solihull? and commit to securing post-Brexit global trade deals and recognise that new, clean diesel engines have a role to play for years to come. Yeah. Mr. 
Well, can I first of all congratulate all the workers at British Land Rover for 70 years of uh, production? And my honourable friend is absolutely right. As we look at leaving the European Union, it gives us an opportunity to be in a position to conduct our own trade policy, to sign our own trade agreements with countries around the world. My honourable friend raised a specific point about cleaner diesel engines. This can play an important part in reducing CO2 emissions from road transport and could reduce CO2 emissions further whilst meeting ever more stringent air quality standards during the transition to zero emission vehicles. This country is leading on this issue of zero emission vehicles and Land Rover are playing their part. Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I commend the armed forces and our reservists for the fine job they do for our country? Mr Speaker, Airbus, Honda, BMW, the CBI, the TUC, the Society of Motor Manufacturers. Mr Government, this Speaker has completely failed to listen to business, has insulted the business community and left companies in the dark. Can the Prime Minister tell the House why 186,000 car manufacturing jobs are disposable to her? Prime Minister! The right honourable gentleman. We have been consistently listening to business throughout the negotiations so far. Business said they wanted us to give priority to citizens, uh, EU citizens' rights here in the UK. We did just that. Business said they wanted an implementation period so there wasn't a cliff edge next March. We have negotiated an implementation period so that there will be a smooth and orderly Brexit. Business say that they want as frictionless trade as possible, so we are putting forward proposals to ensure that we provide that frictionless trade with the European Union. But alongside that, we will be developing a global Britain looking out around the world, signing trade deals around the world. And if he thinks trade and business is so important, why didn't he support Heathrow expansion? Ian Blackford! Mr Speaker, not for the first time it's a Prime Minister that failed to answer the question. And the cost is that investment has been turned off on Britain by a government that refuses to listen. Mr Speaker, more than a year ago, the Scottish Government presented a plan for the United Kingdom to remain in the single market and the customs union to give certainty to business. Just this week, Scotland's First Minister took a trade delegation from Scotland to Berlin. Every step of the way, the Scottish Government has been seeking to protect jobs and our economic interests. Two years on from the EU referendum, and with the clock ticking down, the Prime Minister has done nothing but increase uncertainty. Has the Prime Minister completed any economic analysis on the jobs in the economy were the UK to stay in the single market in the customs union? And if not, why not? Prime Minister. He talks about investment into the United Kingdom. Uh, last year, the United Kingdom remained the preferred uh, investment, a country for investment, foreign direct investment. In Europe, it's the preferred country in Europe for that foreign direct investment. We saw last year 76,000 jobs being created as a result of foreign investment here in the United Kingdom, more jobs being created through foreign investment than in the previous year. And if he wants to talk about uh, further confidence from business, just look at the fact that this month we've seen £2.3 billion of investment being announced by the tech industry as part of London Tech Week, creating another 1,600 jobs. And the more examples I could give him. If he wants to listen to business, though, he should listen to Scottish business, because their message is very clear. Stay in the United Kingdom. James 
you, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Mr. Fresh from my success of managing to stagger over the line in the recent London Marathon, I will be, I will be running a 10k road race as part of the Black Country Fun Run this Sunday in Hales Owen. This is an event which has raised thousands of pounds for local charities in my constituency. So, would the Prime Minister thank the organisers, in particular Alan Bowler and the Hales Owen and Rowley Regis Rotary Club? for the organisation they put into this event, and would she offer her congratulations to those who are participating in this race on Sunday? Minister! Can I I first of all take this chance to uh, congratulate my honourable friend for completing the London Marathon earlier this year, and I know for raising money for a very worthy local cause. And I am very happy to join him in uh, wishing Alan Bowler, the Hales Owen and Rowley Regis Rotary Club, all of those who are taking part in Sunday's fun run, the very best of luck. They're doing this for good causes. We congratulate them and wish them well. Luke Pollard! The Prime Minister will know that every nuclear submarine the Royal Navy has ever had, we still have. There are 13 old nuclear submarines tied up in Devonport, seven in Rosyth, and little room for the ones coming out of service soon. Will the Prime Minister agree to meet with me, the member for Copeland and the member for Rosyth, um, further to our letter to her a fortnight ago, to discuss how we can extend civil nuclear decommissioning to these nuclear submarines to ensure that we recycle them, creating jobs in Plymouth, Scotland and West Cumbria? Can I say, first of all, that we take this issue that he has raised of the safe storage and disposal of nuclear submarines very seriously indeed. There is capacity for safely storing all remaining operational Trafalgar-class submarines at Devonport following their decommissioning, and work has started on dismantling the first submarine, Swiftshore, with over 50 tonnes of radioactive waste removed by the end of May. But I know that I believe the Honourable Gentleman and other members of the House have written to me on this particular issue. I will respond in further detail uh, to him in further detail in due course, and I will ask the relevant uh, Minister to meet with him to discuss this issue further. Foster. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Last week I met three students at the Spires College in Torquay who have been working on the Send My Friend to School campaign to make schools safe. Can the Prime Minister therefore confirm what action the UK will be taking to ensure the Safe Schools Declaration makes a real difference to children who otherwise might not be able to access education? Prime Minister. Can I thank my honourable friend for raising this important issue? Because we know that conflict is a key driver of educational exclusion. Our education in emergencies work does support greater community awareness of how to protect children in education. Teaching students and, te- and teachers about peace building and strategies for conflict resolution. And we view compliance with international humanitarian law as the primary basis to protect schools and educational facilities. We're also encouraging international partners to endorse the declaration, and most recently Germany, who uh, signed up last month. This is an issue that we take very seriously. We are uh, acting on that. We're supporting the work of the United Nations. And uh, I'm pleased to say the largest single financial contributor to the Secretary-General's Special Representative for Children and Armed Conflicts Office. Ben Lake. Mr Speaker, West Wales and the Valleys remains one of the poorest areas in Western Europe, and yet since 2015 we have seen the UK Government renege on manifesto promises to electrify the main line to Swansea, the North Wales line, and more recently the development of the Swansea Bay Tidal Lagoon. Will the Prime Minister commit to ensuring that the, West, uh, the mid-Wales growth deal does not suffer from a similar fate, or is it her Government's assessment that Wales is simply not worth the investment? Yeah. 
Prime Minister! He raises an important point about the Mid Wales growth deal. As he knows, we've already signed, I, I was happy to sign the Swansea City uh, growth deal, the, the city deal for the Cardiff region and one for North Wales as well. And I understand from my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Wales, that we are in discussion on the Mid Wales deal and will be involving the honourable gentleman on that. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, could my right honourable friend set out what the government's plans are? to improve the education, educational provision for children with special educational needs. And could she also congratulate Geraint Edwards, head teacher of the Priory School in Hitchin, for the brilliant and inspirational work that he does in this regard. To congratulate Geraint Edwards on the excellent work he's doing as head teacher of the Priory School. We are committed to helping those children who have special educational needs to achieve well in their education, find employment, and obviously lead happy and fulfilled lives. So we're implementing the biggest changes to the special educational needs and disabilities system in a generation to improve these children's lives, and we're investing £391 million to support these reforms. Here. Three weeks have passed since the Muslim Council of Britain wrote to the chair of the Conservative Party to raise concerns about Islamophobia in the party, and they are yet to receive a reply. He has also failed to respond to my letter of 16th of June, following reports of what looked like an attempt by Tory headquarters to cover up allegations against one of her Conservative Party's vice chair, the Honourable Member for Mansfield. Does the Prime Minister agree with Barnas Warsi and the Conservative Muslim Forum? that the Conservative Party is in denial about Islamophobia in its ranks. Anti-Muslim discrimination is wrong. There is no place for it in our society. That's why, that's why when I was Home Secretary, when I was Home Secretary, I introduced, I required the police to specifically record uh, anti-Muslim hate crime so that we could understand better what was happening and, and better tackle the history, the, the, the issue. Now, we've, within the party, we've introduced a new code of conduct. I understand that uh, my honourable, right honourable friend, the chairman of the party, has met Tal Mama. We, are, we investigate any allegations any allegations of Islamophobia that are made relating to uh, members of the party that are made to the party, those are investigated, action is taken, and in some cases members have been suspended or expelled from the party as a result. Bill Grant. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Recently, my right honourable friend visited my constituency of Ayr Carrick and Cumnock, where she announced the Ayrshire growth deal. Does she agree that the deal has the potential to transform the local economy? And may I ask what steps the government are taking to drive the matter forward? I was very happy to uh, visit my honourable friend's constituency and to highlight the uh, opportunities that the Ayrshire Growth Deal does give us. It, it is, as he says, it is important locally, regionally, and I think nationally in terms of the economic benefit that it can bring. Um, negotiations have now commenced between both governments and the Ayrshire councils on how to implement the deal. I understand officials met on Monday this week to discuss aerospace and proposals for Presswick, and the work is ongoing across Ayrshire. So the work is continuing, and I can assure my honourable friend that we uh, recognise the importance of the Ayrshire Growth Deal. Mary Cray. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, Will the Prime Minister join me in congratulating the Foreign Secretary for expressing so pithily what her hard Brexit will do to British jobs and British businesses? (laughs) (laughs) Prime Minister. Can I say to the Honourable Lady, as I have said many times in this House before, 
We are pursuing pursuing a Brexit that will be a good deal for the UK, a good deal for business, a good deal for citizens, a good deal for jobs. And I believe we will achieve that. I believe we will achieve that because it will be good not only for the United Kingdom but also for the European Union. Sir Peter Bottomley. After the tragedy of the Grenfell fire, can I put to the Prime Minister that the people left being asked to pay for the cost of removing cladding and replacing it are the private leaseholders in private high-rise blocks. Can she try to make sure that the owners, the freeholders, have put to them the points well known to the all-party group, to the charity Leasehold Knowledge Partnership, particularly to Martin Boyd and Sebastian O'Kelly, that that's a situation which is intolerable and needs to be solved properly? Prime Minister. My honourable friend will be aware of the action that we have taken as a government in relation to uh, the social sector and local authorities, Um, but we are calling on building owners in the private sector to follow the example set by the social sector in taking action to remove unsafe cladding. Some in the sector, I could name Barrett Developments, Legal and General and Taylor Wimpey, are doing the right thing and taking responsibility, but we want others to follow their lead and we will continue to encourage them to do so. They must do the right thing, and if they don't, we're not ruling anything out at this stage. Anna Cherry. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Redford Barracks has stood proudly for over 100 years in Scotland's capital city, yet this government are threatening its closure with an adverse impact on both service personnel and the local community. My constituents have been waiting for months for an update on the Better Defence Estate Plan. It being Armed Forces Week, will she help me get an answer from the Secretary of State for Defence? And will she tell him that rather than concentrating on his plans to replace her as Prime Minister, he should halt the destruction of the Defence Estate in Scotland? Decisions are being made about the defence estate, which will ensure that we have the defence estate that is right for our future capabilities and our future requirements. I will ensure that the point that the Honourable Lady has made about not uh, receiving a reply so far from the Minister of Defence is brought to the Minister of Defence's attention. Break hands. Mr Mr Speaker, we all need to keep our election pledges. And that, Mr Speaker, applies whether we made those pledges one year ago or nine years ago. So can I ask the Prime Minister to update us on our Conservative manifesto election pledges to leave the single market, to leave the customs union and to pursue an independent trade policy? Prime Minister. First of all, can I thank my right honourable friend for the service that he has given to government over the last seven years? Most recently, of course, in an important role on the very topic that he has just raised as Minister of State at the Department for International Trade, but also for his time as Minister for London. All of these jobs he conducted with great ability and distinction, and I'd like to thank him for for the work that he has done. It is right that we do want to ensure that we can negotiate our independent trade deals around the rest of the world, and we will be leaving the single market and leaving the customs union and enabling us to do exactly that to ensure that we can have an independent trade policy and negotiate our own trade deals with the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, 
Mr Speaker, almost two weeks after the significant fire at Glasgow School of Art and the O2 ABC, neighbouring constituents and businesses are still out of their properties. Many are struggling to get their insurance companies to provide adequate support as their own property has not been damaged. Will the Prime Minister do all in her power to push insurance companies to provide the maximum support to my constituents and businesses as possible? Yeah. Yeah. Prime Minister. Well, can I, can I say to the Honourable Lady that I mean, this was a terrible fire and it, obviously the damage it did to one of Glasgow's iconic landmarks, mm. I, uh, which is, was rightly regarded as one of great architectural significance, has been, yes, I'm coming on to the issue uh, that the Honourable Lady is, uh, is raising. Um, I, I just wanted to have this opportunity to give my heartfelt thanks to the work of the emergency services yeah, who did their best in addressing the fire that took place. Now, obviously, uh, she's raised a very specific issue about the insurance and about ensuring that others can return to their buildings close by. I will ensure that the Secretary of State for Scotland is aware of that question and we will look at to see what can be done. Heidi Allen. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Um, Prime Minister, at 6.49, my constituency, James Wheatcroft, emailed me. I'm currently standing at Shepherd Station. The 6.40 has just arrived. The 5.38, the 6.10, the 7.25 all cancelled. This is the only train to London before 8.10 this morning. Five people on the platform have waited for an over an hour. They've missed their Eurostar connections. The station car park's empty. They're going home. 7.29, our train's now broken down. Another train's arrived. There's not enough room for everyone. 7.59, the rest of us had to get a train back north. And there wasn't room for, that, for us on that either. People have simply decided to go home. Please, Prime Minister, assurances from GTR are not enough. We need a task force to micromanage those contracts back to performance. Please, will she commit to that? Prime Minister! Can I say to my honourable friend, I recognise I recognise the concerns that she's expressed. Uh, the performance that has been provided for passengers is, has been unacceptable. This is an issue which the Department for Transport has been working on with GTR. They have uh, been providing, are working to provide a new timetable which will provide more capacity on the, uh, on the services, but not the same timetable as originally being introduced in May. Um, but the Department for Transport will continue to work to ensure that the rail company is providing the performance that passengers rightly expect and deserve. Sir Vincent Cable. Uh, on Saturday, uh, around 100,000 people gathered in Parliament Square outside to demand a people's vote on the final Brexit deal. Uh, I, I didn't see the Prime Minister amongst the many Conservatives in the crowd, and the uh, Leader of the Opposition was in the Middle East, avoiding the many Labour supporters. But since the, uh, since the Prime Minister has... Uh, has such confidence since the Prime Minister has such confidence that she will produce a good Brexit deal, why is she so afraid of allowing the final say for the public to endorse it? Prime Minister can I say to the right honourable gentleman, the Liberal Democrats in the past have argued that we should have a referendum to give people the choice as to whether to stay in the European Union or not. We gave the people a choice, they have voted and we will deliver on it. Johnny Mercer! Thank you very much, yeah. Mr Speaker. Will the Prime Minister confirm to the House today that she is absolutely committed to this country retaining its Tier 1 military status, that she is equally open to the idea that increased threats require increased resources, but she is also committed to reforming that department so that we end this narrative of constant decline of UK military capability when the truth is, in fact, the complete reverse? Yeah. I'm absolutely committed to this country remaining a leading military power. There is no question 
that the government will do what it needs to do to ensure that we are a leading military power. But can I say to my honourable friend, we do need to ensure that we look at the threats that we are now facing and the capabilities we need as these threats change. That's what the Modernising Defence Programme is about, but my honourable friend also makes an important point. It is also about making sure that our Ministry of Defence is operating as cost-effectively as it can, so that we ensure that we are providing for our brave men and women in our armed forces, but we are also addressing the needs of the future. What is the defence of, uh, of the 2030? What do we need the Ministry of Defence and our armed forces to look like in 2030? That is the question. But we're committed to remaining a leading military power. Annalisa Dodds. Mr Speaker, on Saturday I was at BMW Cowley with 15,000 people, all of them BMW workers and their families. Just two days later, we had the starkest warning yet from BMW about the damage of a chaotic deal on Brexit for customs processes. When will her government ditch the ideology and infighting and prioritise reaching a workable deal on customs? Prime Minister. The Honourable Lady, we are doing exactly that. We are putting forward proposals. We are putting forward proposals to ensure that we can have as frictionless a trade uh, with the European Union as possible. Uh, that is the aim of this Government, that is what we are working on, and that is what I am sure we will deliver on. Mr Nicholas Bowles. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Across the country, people are taking great pride in the disciplined performance of Gareth Southgate's young and diverse team. Would my right honourable friend signal her Government's support for their campaign during the playoffs by asking public buildings across England to fly St George's Cross alongside the Union Jack if they want? And would she also offer especial help to the Honourable Member for Islington South in raising her own St George's Cross to support our World Cup campaign? Can I say to my honourable friend on the issue of, of the flying of flags? Actually, as I'm sure he'll appreciate, uh, we are currently at number 10 flying the armed forces flag this week. But I do want to join him in congratulating the England team in making it through to the next round uh, in the World Cup. And I can assure my honourable friend that number 10 will be flying the England flag on the day of each of England's matches from now on. And we'll be encouraging other government departments to do the same. But can I also say to my honourable friend that I'm going to go further than my predecessors. Next year, we will do the same for the Women's World Cup. Uh, Laura Smith. Social care workers up and down the country have been paid less than the minimum wage as a result of incorrect government guidance. We are repeatedly told the government is in talks with the EU to resolve this issue. Why are the talks taking so long? And will she do the right thing and commit to paying the workers what they are owed directly through a HMRC scheme? Prime Minister. Well, can, I, can I say to the Honourable Lady, she raises an issue about people being paid the, uh, the minimum wage and being paid, and obviously there are uh, uh, rules in place to ensure that exactly that, uh, exactly that happens. Uh, and, and, and we are aware of the issue. 
that the Honourable Lady has raised. There have been discussions taking place in relation to that. We have been working to ensure that this matter can be dealt with, not just in the, in the interests, obviously, of those who are working in the social care sector, but also by having a care with the impact that it will have on those charities uh, that are working in that sector. Because fish! In, in matters relating to my constituency, education, uh, uh, defence and local government are all in need of more funding. Can, can she assure me that the very welcome allocation of more money to the NHS doesn't crowd everything else out? Minister! Can I, can I say to my honourable friend that, uh, as other members of this House do, he is right to stand up and speak on behalf of his constituents and their interests. But can I also say to him that, as I made clear when I made the announcement about the NHS funding, uh, it will be uh, for the spending review uh, for other departments' budgets to be considered, and those will all be considered in the spending review. Ian Austin. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, everyone knows, everyone knows that black country brewers brew the best beer in Britain. <laughs> Holdens in Dudley have been bottling beer continuously for 75 years, even through the war, but along with other producers, they've had to cease production this week because of the European CO2 shortage. What's the government doing to sort this out so that we can all enjoy a beer during the World Cup? Prime Minister! Can I say to the Honourable Gentleman, obviously he'll be aware this is predominantly a commercial matter for the companies affected, the producers and suppliers. I'm aware of the reports of shortages across Europe and I know that industry is working on the solution. But although it's an issue for industry, the government is in regular contact with the UK producer, distribution and consuming companies and, uh, and consumer companies and trade associations, including those within the food and drink sector. But he's raised his point well and I'm sure all those involved will be working hard to ensure that his aim can be achieved. Mr Speaker, this morning the Supreme Court ruled that the government had created an equality in not extending civil partnerships back in 2014 when it passed the equal marriage legislation and that, that this, this discrimination needs to be addressed urgently. So will she now support an amendment to my uh, civil partnership private members bill when it goes into committee next month as the quickest way to resolve this illegal inequality and extend civil partnerships to Prime everyone. Uh, can I say to uh, my honourable friend that the, we're very well aware of uh, our legal obligations. We'll obviously need to consider the judgment from the Supreme Court with great care, but we also recognise the very sensitive and personal issues that are involved in this case, and we acknowledge the genuine convictions of the couple involved. He refers to his uh, private members' bill. As he will know, we have committed to undertake a full review of the operation of civil partnerships. I know there has been a lot of discussion with him about his bill, but we are supporting this as uh, a, 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 the uh, private members' bill he is bringing forward, which would enshrine this commitment in law. Debbie Abrams. Over 100 firefighters are tackling uh, fires across Saddleworth Wards, uh, spread over seven square miles in my constituency and also in the constituency of my honourable friend, the member for Staley Bridge and Hyde. Will the Prime Minister join me in commending uh, members of the Greater Manchester Fire and Rescue Services, GMP, and many others who have volunteered and contributed to, to uh, bring the fires under control? And will she also commit to allocate contingency funds? 
to those authorities affected in recognition of the, this major incident and the huge impact on their resources. Prime Minister. Can I say to the Honourable Lady uh, that our sympathies, I'm sure, across this whole House are with everyone affected by this fire, and I would join her in commending the emergency services and all those volunteers and others who have been working to, to deal with this fire and to fight this fire. Um, for her reassurance, the Home Office is monitoring the situation closely with the National Resilience assurance team. So far, no request for government support has been made from Manchester Fire and Rescue, but we are keeping this under constant review, and operational policy arrangements are in place to provide support if required. Gillian Keegan. Thank you, Mr Speaker. All Rolls-Royce motorcars, an iconic global brand, are made in my constituency in Chichester. Every day, 150 trucks arrive from Europe to supply BMW plants, and 120 trucks leave the UK headed for Europe. We are the only serious party of business, so can the Prime Minister give some certainty and confidence to the largest employer in my constituency and businesses up and down the country that they can continue their seamless operating model as we leave the EU? I say to my honourable friend that she's absolutely right to raise this issue. It's obviously Rolls-Royce plays a very important role in her constituency, but also in our, for our country. It is an iconic brand for our country. Uh, we do want to have the greatest uh, possible tariff-free and frictionless, frictionless trade as possible with the European Union. That is what we are working on. As, but at the same time, we do want to be able to ensure that we can negotiate other trade deals around the rest of the world. We want UK companies to have maximum freedom to be able to continue to trade with, uh, and operate within European markets and let European businesses do the same here in the UK, but also encourage our excellent, iconic businesses to have better opportunities to trade around the rest of the world. Dr Paul Williams. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Two select committees, the Housing Communities and Local Government and the Health and Social Care, have today released a joint report describing a vision of a social care system where quality personal care is delivered free at the point of need, separated from the ability to pay, and how to achieve that vision. The committee's citizens' jury said this was a system they were prepared to pay for. Does the Prime Minister share this vision? We will look very carefully at reports that have been produced by select committees of this, uh, of this House. Uh, we are committed to producing a social care uh, green paper in the autumn. Thank you. 